0: Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. Comers on Amity. I am you. We're going to talk about The Godfather this week. I'm not even going to ask my good friends here how his week was because we're a week out from the beginning of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. I hate using the word conflict. It's not a conflict. We're a week into it and everything's terrible. So, we're not going to talk about it. <sighs> I'm going to talk about it a little. Free Palestine. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Um, so we're going to talk about the Godfather, because sometimes you need levity in your life. Yeah, the uh,
1: Godfather is actually is so it's lev- levity. Yes,
0: right. so much levity. Uh, we watched this movie a while back when mm. I when we were watching a bunch of movies that I hadn't seen. Well, I think it was when we were doing our seven yeah. like our decades films, and I have never seen the Godfather before. Which is amazing, isn't it? yeah, I made it's it a long ways. <laughs> I made it to my late thirties before I watched the Godfather. And now, the one question that we have to ask is, "Is it thrilling? It appears at number eleven on the a f i s top thrills list
1: i don't there are so many films, and again, we're going to address this when we're done with this list we're
0: still we're addressing it every time it feels like is i mean there,
1: I, there's yeah. different kinds of thrills. I don't necessarily feel that this film is thrilling. it is very quotable. it's a very good movie on its own merits um but when I put this next to another film, yeah, and we'll be seeing some genuinely like,
0: yeah, the top ten is right. uh, there will be no
1: question, right? <laughs> but even next to a film like uh, Rear Window, which was just nearly two hours of a slow burn and then suddenly just unwinds and this cataclysmic, there's tension, yes, there's right? Tension there's tension. The I
0: feel like fundamentally what mm-hmm. I keep coming back to is. Is there tension? Because once again, the AFI doesn't tell us what they mean. They're not thrillers. That's not what's happening here. Because there are maybe a dozen thrillers on Mm -hmm. here. No, probably more than that. Maybe 30. The rest of them are just... I want to say tension is the key. Do I, as an audience member, feel tension? And the answer for The Godfather, for me, is no. No. I now, maybe that's because I know that there's a bunch right, after okay. it. Like, it's not like I'm seeing this in, what, 1972, 76, whichever it is. Um, and, and you know, being worried about these characters. I also... You guys, I don't really like any characters in this movie. Like, I wasn't like, oh, I hope they don't
1: die. I mm-hmm. was
0: <laughs> just kind of like... Ooh. 1972, by the way. Uh, so that... That is sort of my thing. You
1: might have that issue when we watch The Exorcist 2. Um, no, there's a very likable character in there, a couple maybe. But it's just so... It doesn't have to be likable. I don't yeah. have to. Someone does have to Something be likable. you can root for. Yeah, there you go. And I think that, the, to me, the tension in The Godfather comes from whether or not Michael Corleone is going to go the, into the family business. And I think that we're both far too late for that we both know what happens to him
0: right but also so the, like honestly right a, a rich dude going into the family business is not right. an
1: interesting but story to me
0: when, See, also i mean i i am watching yes, succession but, so that's right, not but necessarily my point true. is
1: um here's a person who is he starts the film as morally righteous he's just come back from the war he served his country he does not want to be this kind of person Fair and enough. he winds up getting y- your your question is is he going to get sucked into this lifestyle? And not just because the, the different members of the family are pulled into the power issue right. or the glamour issue. Right. And, you know, they're hanging out with movie stars. Right. They're influencing someone. What do I get out of right. my relationship? And Michael's to... thing is he does not want to be a part of it. And in the end, he starts doing things that are incredibly heinous.
0: Yeah, that's and,
1: true. And so that's the tension of the film. I think that audiences now, two sequels later... Yeah, right. And who... Know what happens to Michael Corleone? Yeah. It, it's it's not going to be as impactful because we don't have this will he will he right you know, step the right way do the right thing Michael whatever it's yeah. not going to affect us. I guess so, yeah, because we
0: know what happens. I have to say I like the Godfather two better, mm-hmm. but it's of course less tension even than this one, right? Because you're getting flashbacks, so you know <laughs> right everybody's going to be fine in history because they're in the now, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I like that story better. So this one, like, it was good. I liked it. Yeah. I'd probably watch it again. But do I feel any sort of, like, concern in my body? Uh, or do I ever want to look away? No, not really. I, yeah. The, the uh, There's some gunning down that was a shock. Right. But also, this is a a movie about gangsters. So you have to kind of be right. like
1: prepared for and that. And I know that like the scene that when I was younger and I first saw it shocked me was the, mm-hmm. the scene in the restaurant mm-hmm. where Michael guns down the police right. uh, officer and also the other mob representative who right. hit out of his dad. And the idea that this guy gets shot clean in the like a, in the head. Yeah. And you're seeing him choke on his food. As yeah, the, that's rough. <laughs> it was one of those things where the camera was not turning away. Right. It wasn't like movies I'd seen before in the past where, you know, it's implied. You're not actually seeing it now. And putting that violence in your face must have been a big shock for the audience. But yeah, um, but, uh, yeah it's, I, I think unfortunately it's one of those movies that has been so often imitated. And that's, so that's true so familiar right. that all of the twists are laid out for us and we know what's going to happen. So it doesn't quite work that way anymore. That makes sense. It's very much like watching an opera, which I'm sure it was patterned after. It's like, you know what's going to happen now, these steps and these characters and what they're going to do. And so uh, um, it's not going to ever have that same impact again. Yeah. And but I it's haven't... still a very good film.
0: I was looking up, because I couldn't remember where in uh, Coppola's filmography? filmography it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he was well into making films, so um, although he was still not an established director, not until, like, 1980 per Wikipedia. Uh, but it almost feels like that unflinchingness feels like a new director or somebody who doesn't feel like they have anything to lose, right? Like, right. this is either going to go well and I'm going to be, you know, Mm -hmm. a top director, or it's not, but I'm not well-known enough that it's going to fuck me forever. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah. Plus, I mean, no, I don't even want to say that. I was going to say being based on a book sort of decreases the thrill of something, but that's a lie. (laughs) That's just patently untrue. So uh, that, that can't be where it's coming from. I think it is just cultural osmosis dulls things down. Right. And so, through no fault of its own, I would argue, though it may to belong on the list, I don't know that it belongs at number eleven on the list.
1: Yes, and that—that that I can say um, when we look at some other films that offer this kind of real thumb screw turning thrills, mm-hmm. it seems that this th- this film it's. Um, It comes and goes. It's not... Right. It's not a constant
0: thing. See, apocalypto. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like nothing but tension the whole time. Right. So...
1: You're just exhausted by the end of it and you want to curl up in a ball. My (laughs) whole
0: body was tense the whole movie. I did. I hurt afterwards. Uh, Okay. So that's our conversation on The Godfather, our baby conversation. Here's our whole conversation that we had a few years ago. Come back next week and we're going to talk... It's all fresh episodes, 10 to 1. Next week, we start the top 10 with Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, we're going to be here for that. Enjoy the Godfather, and we'll talk to you next week. Hello, and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we... Watch the stuff that you've already seen, probably. But maybe not. Apparently, people my age and younger don't watch anything old. Quote,
1: old. It's not old. It's (laughs) not. I watch silent films routinely. Yeah, they're wonderful. Did you ever (laughs) see
0: The Artist? It's a new silent film. No,
1: I didn't see it. It's a new (laughs) silent film. It feels like a little hypocritical somehow.
0: None of that makes any sense. Anyways, we watched The Godfather this week. I had never seen it. Never seen it. Had you seen it?
1: I saw. Um, I saw it run on television when I was really young. Oh, and so half of it was not chopped there. up. <laughs> and um, I think James Caan called someone a son of a beast. I'm not sure.
0: Uh yes, I would think that there would be back so.
1: in the old days when you sh- broadcast movies that were broadcast on television. They edited out the swear words and added other things.
0: They still do that. Um, They do it a lot of times for uh, the airplane run Mm -hmm. of movies. And I know you're allowed to do ADRs of your own. So there Mm -hmm. are directors who... like I think it was Joss Whedon? I don't remember exactly who it was. But there was somebody who just made up the most ridiculous things to cover up the swears and then Mm -hmm. had the actors ADR them. So they're just saying... Nuts and bolts, <laughs> like just a crazy stuff. So,
1: it's not so big a deal now in the age of cable television when you can see a movie broadcast pretty much the way it was intended, except, of course, for the format.
0: Right. But even that, depending uh, on your TV, I mean, at least it's not in a square.
1: Right. But, well, and old movies before the, the movie revolution in the 50s were, were in squares. You know, that, mm-hmm. that, actually, that format's true. But um, when I was a kid, it was a big deal to see a theatrical release on television, because you didn't get sort of... um,
0: It took a year and a half, 18 months or something like
1: that? To even
0: get to, like, the cable channel. Right.
1: So we would watch things like Jaws or whatever on broadcast TV, and The Godfather, I remember, there was an actual host who came out before the program to explain that what you were going to watch was very adult in nature.
0: Send the kiddos to bed.
1: Right, so send the kiddos to bed. And it would have these discretion, parental discretion, advised viewings. And you would get that even for like a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the funniest example of that was watching, for some reason, NBC broadcast Fort Apache, the Bronx, which was a crime movie with, with um, Paul Newman.
0: Uh huh. And
1: working in the worst part of New York at the time. And everyone's running around calling each other a mother grabber.
0: Like, mother grabber. That's what they dubbed okay. in and it was obviously—that's a choice. It was
1: obviously somebody else's voice. Was it one dude? Mother grabber. Right? One dude <laughs> just said that one
0: thing, right. and they just plugged it in over and over again.
1: That's pretty much what it I sounds like. That. And I'm like, why not? I—I don't know what that one is, but they all seem to be really serious about saying that to each other. So little did I know.
0: So before we get into the meat of the episode, mm-hmm. uh, how was your week?
1: It was interesting. It was interesting. It was very interesting.
0: Is that all you have to say? It probably. <laughs> it was interesting for personal and private reasons that no, nobody needs to know about. It was, just, was not as about.
1: productive. It was one of those weeks where you started out thinking you had all the energy and the inertia to go and do everything you needed to do, and by the end of it, you did absolutely nothing. Oh and yeah, I weeks. went
0: out of inertia by ten a.m. on the weekend. <laughs> right? So um, I, on the other hand, was extraordinarily busy. Yes. Life changes are afoot. And also, uh, went to see a movie. You went with me. She did. He okay. out. I couldn't even tag him in Facebook. Wow. So, we went to see a wrinkle in time. We'll talk about it later. That means I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's dive into this. So, I want to do two things before we get started mm-hmm. with the meat of the recap. Oh, guys, if you haven't seen The Godfather, we're about to spoil the shit out of it for you. But... Here's an interesting thing. When we were watching it, I knew everything that was going to happen, even though I literally never seen a single second of it because it is extraordinarily woven into culture at this point. So I, one of the things, the first thing I want to do is I want to look back at Wednesday, the 15th of March, 1972. That's when this movie came out. It came out on a Wednesday. They knew it was going to be big, I guess. Here's what happened on that day. One. Mark Hoppus, that's the lead singer of Blink-182. Uh-huh. Hey, James, it's a crossover. <laughs> and uh, he was born on that day. And the other things that came out this week were Pink Flamingos and Slaughterhouse-Five. Wow. So it's like a big week at so the weird. cinema. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and this is a everybody. time when I feel like movies stayed in the theater for a long time because there were not that many movies coming out. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that. That looks like about it. Not a lot going on. Mostly this mostly this movie came out. And this movie became the best picture of the following year. Or of this year. Mm -hmm. One of the following year, of course. It was the highest grossing film of nineteen seventy two. And for a while the highest grossing film of all time. I wonder if that's adjusted for inflation. I probably they keep they do that because, like, right. the number one film of all time still mm-hmm. is *Gone with the Wind*, and it's because it's adjusted for inflation. And that's a movie that I think was in theaters for what, right. like, eighteen months or something. I,
1: it's to me, it's baffling. I never cared for it, but then again,
0: it's not my jam. Um, yes,
1: a little too much melodrama and no dinosaurs or kung fu. So, nope, no dinosaurs,
0: was, no dancing girls, no kung fu. Right. So that had means had it's not the saving
1: graces <laughs> that I look for in a movie.
0: Um. So what I wanted to do real quick was uh, let you know what I knew about this movie Mm -hmm. uh, before we started watching this movie. I knew it was about gangsters. Mm -hmm. I knew it was based on a book. I knew leave the gun and take the cannoli. I knew it's business, not personal. I knew both of those things because I've seen You've Got Mail a lot of times and... (laughs) Uh, Tom Hanks's character in that movie loves The Godfather. But then I knew things like when they were setting up a hit, I knew that they were going to put the gun in the toilet. Like, I don't know why I knew that. Probably because 400 other movies have done it since then. Right. Uh, but as we were watching it, I was like, is this what's about to happen? And you're like, I'm not telling you.
1: <laughs> it's like... I this sounded totally a little more when I happen. said about that, though, it's, <laughs> to be honest.
0: So I, uh, yeah, I guessed a lot of it prior. Well, I think that
1: there's a, Norm Macdonald had a TV show, and Abe Vigoda was a guest on the program.
0: I know him as Fish.
1: And on the closing credits, they did a recreation of his final scene in The Godfather. Oh. This is how much
0: <laughs> wow, it that's seeped funny. into
1: consciousness, sort of like we were talking about last week. With um, that Cowboy. Yeah. Where there's a Muppet character named after a character in an X-rated movie. Yeah. And to tell you, like, a personal uh, version of this, how it seeped into my consciousness, even though I'd seen it when I was young and I hadn't really seen it since, when I had my wisdom teeth removed.
0: Did you feel like you were Vito Corleone? Well, what happened was (laughs) I
1: came out of the anesthesia... Apparently flirting with the nurse, despite... I can't remember any of this. I'm ah, told. this
0: leads into my anesthesia philosophy of life. You are your truest self when you wake up from anesthesia. You mm. flirt with somebody. I ask people if I was any trouble while I was unconscious. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. So that's who my true no. self is.
1: So that was the first thing I did when I came out of anesthesia. And then the nurse promptly stuffed my mouth full of... Quotin. Uh At which point, because my face was suddenly very jowly... Yeah. I started doing a Marlon Brando impersonation. I'm sitting in the backseat of my mom's car with my mouth stuffed with cotton, saying things like, I thought it was Italia, and it was Barzini all along.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you did know
1: some stuff. I I, I remembered it under anesthesia.
0: Let's talk about that makeup for a second. All right. Because that makeup is award-winning, right? This is
1: Dick Smith. He's
0: like a genius. And Mm -hmm. if you want old age makeup done, you get this man. And the makeup is very good, right. but also, at no point do I look at Marlon Brando and go, well, that's definitely what that man looks like. Yeah. I, every time I saw him, I thought, it's good makeup. Well, <laughs> he doesn't look naturally himself, maybe because nobody's face shape is that. Like, he's got a jowly face on, like, a regular person body. He Apparently, had his body and his face
1: He, he disappeared that. the makeup by going into the screen test, stuffing stuff into his mouth.
0: Right, but because is that what the book says? I
1: don't know. I never mm-hmm. read the book. I feel that, or he said that he was going for a bulldog.
0: Right. And he, and, and he pulls it off, and it's a very distinctive thing, and you know right. when people do that face and do right, that exactly. voice, they're doing Vito Corleone, but then you see, like, weirdly in 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 one of the scenes and i'll i'll, I'll mention when we get to it mm-hmm. you know he stands up and you see his whole body and his head that we've been looking at you see his face mostly right. Um, or and he's sitting behind a desk or whatever for a lot of the the parts of it when you see all of him he's like a fit dude like he's got a little bit of a belly but it's not protruding in any great he's way m- he's not his his jolly <laughs> face is the only part of him that's the part of a quote big guy. I mean, he's a
1: mm-hmm.
0: he's a tall. Right. I, I assume, but um,
1: by the time he got to Apocalypse Now, his body filled out to the rest of his face. We're used to a very large, just the same way that the score people are used to a very large Orson Welles, and you look yeah. at him and Citizen Kane, and you're like, oh no, 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 he he
0: was a fit dude, but he, he was, was also 24 in right, Citizen 24 Kane,
1: or He was six foot two, and he was gangly, and and. and I um, don't know
0: that I'd call it worse and Will's gangly, even at his
1: Well, he got slightest. more stocky as he went along, but that first movie, he's very kind of lean. And then, you know...
0: And Marlon Brando, um, the the last thing I saw him in was the score. I don't mm. know if that's the last thing he was <laughs> right, in. Right, which... Which, while I was in the movie theater, I made it just a full-on ass of myself, because he came on the screen, well, he didn't come on the screen, the... The camera panned to him because he was seated right. at the time. And I yelled, yelled in a theater with other patrons, holy shit, I thought he was dead. <laughs> because I 100% thought Marlon Brando had died, like, yeah, maybe in like 1974.
1: I didn't know. Brando's <laughs> a, he's a, a hard one because. He got weirder and weirder, but worse. he was also impossible to work with. Yeah. Like, um, he on became the set, a
0: complete asshole.
1: On the set of The Score, which was directed by Frank Oz, mm-hmm. he would tell... I forgot about that. He would tell Robert De Niro he wouldn't speak to Frank Oz because he oh, thought it was beneath him. Oh, that's why
0: he, him. Said he, he called he him told, Miss Piggy or whatever. He
1: uh, told Robert De Niro, go tell Miss Piggy this is what I'm going to do. That's and he up. would never sort of break from that, apparently.
0: Especially given, like, mm. how talented Frank Oz right. is across a multitude of... Right. Things that's such just ugh. I bet he and Val Kilmer were just
1: joys to well, work with. Um, that film is a notorious yeah. uh, example of. Isn't there
0: a documentary about. There's an about? entire
1: film about the <laughs> making of the film.
0: We're talking about.
1: The Island uh, of Dr. Morrow. The Island
0: of Dr. Morrow from the 90s. Right. The film that I just think?
1: jumped the rails and went. And there's a very good version of it with Charles Lawton. Who also could be—he well, be, right, could be difficult only because he was trying to really nail the part. And once he did, or once he got the director's vision, he was not only very easy but very enthusiastic. Yeah. But Brando always had kind of an issue, and I think that this movie but built up. I think up Brando
0: might have been uh, suffered the same. Uh, thing that John Lennon always well—that's
1: what I was going to say. Struck, yes. struck
0: struck me uh-huh. as suffering, which is he believed his own hype. He
1: began to be believe he was Marlon Brando. Yeah, and so I think this film is really what he's the epitome the of. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> right, but he's very good. He fits the character very well. Yes, yeah, he does, and he did an excellent job. So I, and I can't. Yeah, I, his,
0: especially his younger stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's mesmerizing right. to watch, and in this, he's very good. Right. But once again is under some makeup. There's no... Right. Like, and I don't know if it was magical in 1972 when you saw it. Right. Um, if it was like this amazing feat. Given the combination of advancement and practical effects mm. and CGI now, now makeup
1: looks like makeup to me. Dick Smith... It was the advance guard of makeup at the time. Mm-hmm. It was the older makeup guys, the William Tuttles and the, the, the Ben Nyes. Uh, Dick Smith was using the new technology and going all sorts of directions, and he was everywhere at this time.
0: But he also like excelled at old age makeup, right? Yes, like he basically he was doing this ruined
1: all the time.
0: Um, what's the name I'm thinking of? He ruined the priest from The Exorcist career. Right.
1: Well, not ruined, I well, didn't start a career, but he definitely made a speed bump for um, Max von Max
0: von because, because everybody the, assumed he was old and he old was young. The old age makeup
1: that he did for Max von was so convincing, down to skin freckles and the whole bit, and liver spots, that people were convinced he was much older than he actually was, and he was no longer cast as a leading man.
0: That's so funny.
1: Um, and he became a character actor, which is funny, because he was still young enough That's a, to be a leading here's man. Here's
0: another weird tangent. Mm-hmm. Why did they they didn't need him young and old, right?
1: Mm, so I why think didn't they just a flashback scene in the beginning of the film? But I, still, right.
0: one flashback scene that's I could haven't have seen it in a long time because mo- I
1: think admittedly, most of what I did see was between my fingers. Yeah. <laughs>
0: because that's like um in the alien um not it's not an alien movie. What was it?
1: It was an alien no, movie.
0: No. I know it was an alien Prometheus. movie, but it wasn't called Prometheus. Uh-huh. When Guy Pierce is in old age makeup for the whole time and you're just waiting for the reveal of when he's not in old age makeup anymore and then he's murdered horrifically and you're like, well, then what was the point? That was probably point? pointless, <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. But Dick Smith was the exorcist. He was, I believe, his little big man where he turned Dustin Hoffman into hundred an 100-year-old hundred Indian. He, did, he was amazing at old age makeup. He revolutionized the way it was done. And he won many Academy Awards. And he revolutionized prosthetics uh, for makeup. So yeah, Mm. this is the beginning of seeing that. There's some scenes where people in this film are shot in the face, in the or face, shot. yeah, and that kind of explosive squib, that kind of thing hadn't been done before. Interesting. So a lot of these were really new effects, they and it, really it's so
0: old. Like I'm watching, we're watching Jessica Jones, and right. there's squibs everywhere, right. and it's not.
1: And some of those aren't even practical anymore. No, that's true. And because it's safer, because basically a squib, a
0: squib is an explosive, an
1: explosive charge, <laughs> that's on your face. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a lot safer now.
0: All right. So you want to get into Oh, yeah, so. I wanted to read the logline um mm-hmm. or what at least what IMDb is says the logline is which is a spoiler in itself um and they this reads the aging patriarch of an organized crime dynasty transfers control of his clandestine empire to his reluctant son Now that reluctant son bit is a is a spoiler for oh, the movie cuz exactly. <laughs> you're like well, the one he appears to be handing it over to doesn't seem in at all. What's going to happen to Jimmy Con? Spoiler alert. Nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> nothing good happens to Jimmy Kahn. All right. Um, so let's go through this plot.
1: All right. Um, in 1945, at his daughter Connie's wedding, Vito Corleone, hears requests in his role as godfather, don of a New York crime family.
0: So the don is just like a... Like um honorific, mm-hmm. is that what it is? Yeah. Um. So there's many dons in this movie. I originally thought that was his character's name, but his character's name like is in Vito. Donald. <laughs> no, no. No, like yes, like short mm-hmm. for Donald, right, like yeah. Sutherland. <laughs> like,
1: it's honorific in Spanish and Italian. It's okay. A, but um, and I
0: wasn't sure. I f- I had forgotten. Uh-huh. And yes, it's based on a book, so it makes a lot of sense. I thought it took place in the seventies. No. But it doesn't. This is a period piece. It takes place in the 40s.
1: No, the um, the second film will be more contemporaneous with when the film was made. Closer okay. to. Closer to, okay. But um, this takes place right after the Second World War. Um, right after, because it's 1945. And I really have to say, in terms of being a student filmmaker, that opening scene, and not the opening scenes in terms of the wedding, but the opening scene itself, the opening shots, which are... Um. The man explaining to Don Vito about his daughter being What he's used, there for, yeah. That was shown to us an example of how to open a film.
0: The, the opening scene to this movie is 20 minutes long. Like I would, I would call the, wedding, the, the, the entire open, wedding sequence it's first the act. opening scene. Mm-hmm. It's way longer than I thought it was going to be. It's also
1: very complex. And you're getting all of the... It's a, he's seeing it very much as an opera yeah and it's very also like uh orson welles in touch of evil he has all of the characters from the film appear in yeah. one single here's shot everybody and here's around, how they're
0: but... attached to each other right so you... oh who's that big scary guy oh right. that's
1: right and that's uh, what happens here is that um uh, you're really taken from the point of view of michael who's returning home from the war yeah he's dressed in his military uniform he's a war hero Looking
0: is, so handsome, young Al Pacino yeah, yeah, Al
1: Pacino, and this he is something. He was
0: very attractive. I was like, oh, that's why you're a movie star. Because he's 70 now, 75 now.
1: This is the, what you're going to see a lot of as you're watching a lot of these movies. Because another film I think that we should watch, although it didn't win the Academy Award, was, well, maybe, was um, a film that I don't especially care for, but Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, because that changed movies a lot.
0: I've seen it. Okay. so we can't well I don't know if I've seen it all the way through we'll discuss but that's them.
1: another one where you're looking at these guys at the peak of their you're just
0: like look how handsome right. they are there's just
1: a lot of pretty men in that movie and you're looking and you're them like
0: oh I like the same person my grandmother likes. <laughs> right? this is disconcerting
1: but um,
0: I still have a crush on David Jones from the Monkees <laughs> That's not healthy.
1: Well, you have crushes <laughs> on actors at certain ages of their lives, mm-hmm. right? Young Michael is coming back from the war. He's decorated now. He comes to attend the wedding, and he's uh, bringing his girlfriend Kay.
0: Yeah, who she's a blonde lady. She
1: is of, and you can cut this out later if you want to. She is the beckiest of Beckies in the world. She, yeah, she no, is, that's fair. She's so. She's a wasp if, Right. Uh, uh, just...
0: the the waspiest wasp <laughs> right. who's ever has wasped. She is a nice coming from a wealthy family, I'm right. sure, who who made their money I don't know, in Possibly banking, maybe. Not in
1: drugs. That's Not for sure. in
0: not in yeah. But the 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 other really super interesting thing about this is mm-hmm. she clearly knows that this is a Yes, like a mob family. Because like, Michael puts that shit on Front Street with right, his he's girlfriend. He's not hiding
1: it at all. And they're coming to the wedding. Now, I think Talia Shire, who's playing um, Ugh, Connie. A
0: squeaker. All she does is squeal and there cry. There is a wonderful and moment get punched.
1: in her performance when Johnny Fontaine shows up. He was a stand-in for Frank Sinatra. Yeah. He shows up to sing at her wedding. Because, yeah. again, this is a massive wedding. This yes, is a, a mob huge. boss. There are other mob bosses there. There are Mm -hmm. FBI agents photographing people's cars and license plates to see who their known associates are. Yeah, known associates
0: where I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's some real police work they're doing.
1: But um, at one point when Johnny Fontaine shows up to sing a song, she sees the other girls chasing after him and grabs his arm and runs, and she has this moment looking over her shoulder laughing because she knows she has Johnny Fontaine on her arm, and all these other girls don't.
0: Bitch, you just got married,
1: right? But <laughs> it's <a> this <sweet laughs> second moment where Talia Shire gives this great performance of a woman who's just a spoiled brat. She
0: is a spoiled brat. Right. That doesn't excuse that what ends up happening to, what her. Happens
1: to her, which is horrible. But mm-hmm.
0: yeah, well, her character is the least. the The women in this movie mm-hmm. are basically non-existent. Kay is the. "Quote unquote strongest Apollonia. woman." Well, Apollonia is there,
1: mm-hmm. but we'll discuss. Apollonia but she say
0: four lines in the whole movie. <laughs> I'm saying though, no, and the Vito's wife is there mm-hmm. the whole time, right. but I don't know her name.
1: Yeah, and that was another part that I told you that uh, I had an issue with. Sonny's wife is.
0: Oh, that's right. Beautiful. beautiful and there just to be treated on.
1: Yes, and you know, it's uh, so that whole that to to scene.
0: to brag on her husband's manhood mm-hmm. and then be treated on. Those are right. the two As things she's that she's bragging.
1: Does. He, he she turns around to see him, you know, running off with one of the bridesmaids. Um, He's not cute.
0: <laughs> Sorry. I don't it's it's crazy because his wife is beautiful. Right. And he's, I'm like, I think he lets her do it's things. He she also of um,
1: just because I can. There's yeah, a, no, no, it is, and
0: and but like this movie, uh, the Bechdel test is not even. Mm. I mean, the the women well, are solely there but as in the context to the of the men. film.
1: It makes sense because they so scrupulously keep the women out of their business.
0: That's true,
1: and that's even the uh, what we'll eventually get to—the final shot of the movie is locking the woman out. Yeah, no, that's true. So it could be very much that I'm sure that, and you're right. Vito's wife is—I—I I don't know if she says any words in the English at all. Um, I you hear remember.
0: her hurting the children right. or calling or them singing. to dinner. She sings, mm-hmm. but it's all—I mean, it's so, she's so peripheral. Right. And he does mention that she's up there. When he comes down mm-hmm. um at one point, that she's up there crying because right, well, well, funny. some things have right. happened. Yeah. So we shouldn't get that far ahead. So so this opening scene is um is the wedding and this this person and it's that famous scene that everybody has quoted. Right. You come to me
1: On the day of my daughter's wedding. On the day of my
0: daughter's wedding, which apparently is a magical right. day in the Italian families right. where Sicilian um, families, remember. S- oh, Specifically specific Sicily culture. Um where he can't refuse.
1: Right. And this goes back to it really is that's something that you'll see a lot in this film. It's really about tribalism. He's a tribal chieftain, yes. is what he is. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these strange, kind of very regal things. Like there's a purse that everyone has to stuff money into. That was there's, probably
0: my favorite part of the right. thing. Was uh, one of the was it? It wasn't Fredo, but it was a. It was one of the low level mm-hmm. guys at in their family. Right. right. Was like oh. Twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars in small bills. Right. If it was somebody else's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and you so don't want to fuck with to that. To clear it
1: up, there's the really the relationships you're gonna see are between uh, Don Vito and his two sons, Sonny are,
0: and Michael.
1: Sonny, no, three, He has three sons. But oh, the and two Fredo. Sons, Sonny and Fredo, <laughs> and then the prodigal kind of son who doesn't want to have anything to do with the business, and who it looks like doesn't Vito watch doesn't want to have,
0: right. have him to. He the wants business. him to go legit. And but Vito also looks at his at Michael and sees himself. Right. And yes, and is like, "Be the best version of me."
1: And he's a, this very quiet, kind of brooding, and that was Al Pacino's smart. thing at the time. Very smart, and so seeing that Fredo is kind of limp is the only way to describe. Yeah, him. he, he just, just does not. He's a very sad person. Um, not sad as a person, but just sad to. Yeah, feel he's sad. pathetic. Right, I think. and Sonny is a blazing comet through the sky.
0: He's a hothead.
1: An incredible hothead who With just... With a
0: giant penis. Right, apparently. Thanks for that.
1: Um, but
0: that's mentioned. Right.
1: She like She's holds her hands together and hands Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so all that happens in the opening scenes. Also, there's another per- the adopted son, uh, which is Robert Duvall, a really young Robert Duvall, yes. who was a friend of Sonny from when they were kids, who had no family. He's been adopted. He's been put through law school. And now he's a counselor to Don Consiglieri. Vito. Consiglieri. Consiglieri. So the film then goes and follows that character for a while. Yeah. Because. Well,
0: first, mm-hmm. I do want to say this gentleman has come to Don Corleone to get. to have him do a hit, basically, mm-hmm. on um, two men that attacked
1: his daughter. His, his daughter, beautiful back. daughter.
0: Who's no longer beautiful. Who's no longer so beautiful. This is what women are worth. He's like, you didn't come to me as a friend. You came to me with the offer of money in return for murder. And that is some disrespectful-ass shit. Mm -hmm. And so the guy is like, "Uh, I come to you as a friend, which basically means... Do for me, and, and then, I will owe you. It's a good didn't thing. Didn't want to owe that you him. bring
1: that up because that—that's the crux of what this is. Is that you? I, at some point, I'm going to ask you a favor, right? And no matter what it is, you cannot refuse that favor. And
0: also, I might never ask. I might you a never favor. ask
1: you. So you're taking, like, you're gambling, right? With but him.
0: but the other thing mm-hmm. is, there is a level of uh, CYA with mm-hmm. this, where right. I am not taking twenty five thousand dollars from you, right. and then. Hire or having one of my guys kill these people. That's right. not what's happening. We're having a conversation, and some things might happen to those people, but no money changed hands. So, yeah, we're going to keep, this is the keep our hands clean.
1: Why this. it was covered? That opening scene is covered was in in my screenwriting classes because this is a perfect way of introducing you to what's going on. His first lines are, "I believe in America," mm. and he goes on. This is the immigrant experience coming to America. I'm here, I believed in it, Everything is when everything was working for me, America was fine, when I wanted justice, they laughed, because my daughter's Italian and she's some sort of tramp and they deserve it, and the two young mm-hmm. men were white.
0: Oh, yeah, and... Uh, and remember,
1: no, don't, be very careful when you're watching this, too, the, as you're watching the film, remember, this is a time when Italians were not white, no. they were not considered... Yes,
0: they don't fall under the right. umbrella of, quote, whiteness, which is why whiteness is a construct, y'all, because you know who else wasn't white? Irish.
1: Before. Right. Who also right?
0: So at a certain at and, a certain time, but you're
1: very aware of the fact.
0: There's a lot of the word "Guinea" thrown right. around in so this movie. So if you're sensitive to, so there is some language
1: pejoratives against Italian people. There's an awful lot of them, and then there's some against Tom Hagen for no reason because he he's representing. Yeah, there's a the the movie boss. So to to go to that, um, Tom Hagen sent out an a This yes. is the, the consigliere uh, because Johnny Fontaine. Is concerned about getting a movie part.
0: Yeah, his voice is going. Mm -hmm. And so he's afraid he's going to diminish. Like his fame is going to go away if he can't sing. So he wants to be in this big movie. And this big movie producer has basically said, fuck you. Mm -hmm. There's no way in hell that you're going to be in this movie. He says it later way more colorfully than i just did
1: right <laughs> using lots of expletives Ooh. but um and there's a great scene there for robert duval too where he's at first just rebuffed and yeah. then once the producer finds out that he represents Vito corleone he takes him more seriously and invites him to dinner the same explosion of temper and there's a really funny scene where and it's not funny in a you know uh
0: it is, comedic. yeah, but it, no, but it right. is funny because, yeah,
1: he's invited to a very expensive, what looks like a very expensive dinner, and then the producers explain to a, uh, you know, uh, Tom, yeah, why there's not going to why he's not going to hire Johnny Fontaine for this movie.
0: Which what was his reason?
1: His reason was that he was coaching a beautiful young girl.
0: Oh, that's right. Right. And by coaching, you're mispronouncing.
1: Fucking. Well, he's doing something because he does it at one because he says he's he the best on, piece of ass right, he, he ever had. He starts out with once again I give her voice ladies. lessons. I give her dance lessons. I give her, yeah. and then he just gives up and says, "Let me be frank with you, as a man, because again, we're talking man to man, right? Ugh. She's one the best one piece one. of ass I ever had." And she runs away with Johnny Fontaine, and she gets uh, addicted to to smack later on, and she, you know, has all these issues. So it's his fault, and so it was really kind of just um, a. Bull thing, you know. I didn't even
0: get the drug thing. I thought it mm-hmm. was just she left me for him, right? And she's not gonna do the movies. I, well, I, whether or not Johnny Fontaine is responsible for. for
1: the drug addiction is, is who knows, neither here nor there. The thing is, again, it was an affront to him as a producer, right? Strangely, this attitude has not changed in film producers yeah, no, in right? A long time,
0: you he took my yeah. property and so he gets nothing, so and and as he gets he's getting heated more and more heated. Tom is just taking bigger bites of food, right. faster. Like he's, I'm getting through this meal because I'm going to get kicked out here. In a he's second. wolfing
1: down this meal because he knows it's very expensive and knows that he's about to get thrown out. So he's stuffing himself, and it's a very funny, and then you find summer. out
0: you you hear the line or he says the line. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Corleone is a man who doesn't like to wait for bad news. So right. he's getting on a plane right then. He says, and I mm-hmm. guess he does. But
1: the the scene that. Is one of the, the, the uh the points that everyone remembers about this film yeah. involves this producer's love of thoroughbred horses.
0: Yes. He paid six hundred thousand dollars for a horse that he's not gonna race, he's only gonna stud. Which just briefly, um, how is it worth anything to stud a horse if you don't have like a like a racing history? Like it's a fancy horse and it comes from a good bloodline, but if it doesn't prove itself on the track mm-hmm. I mean I don't know I don't know anything about horses clearly so that was my first thought I was like well, okay but well, you do get your money back that way and it's not going to break its leg so
1: <laughs> this particular horse um, is one of the early casualties of the film Yes, and that's the scene that everyone remembers because it is very shocking and
0: it it's it might have been shocking then uh-huh. because it is in it, right. I saw the Simpsons do it yeah. I, I mean, I've seen the scene hundreds of times and in this, other things, that feels like. And this like.
1: is something that I, I have to comment on. People are much more sensitive to animals being injured. Than oh, women's. 100%. I remember a person, or I know of a person, who refuses to watch The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo because a cat gets killed.
0: There are websites dedicated yeah. to whether or not animals are hurt in movies because people will make decisions on whether to watch a movie. Right because but of it. in the course
1: of this movie, a girl is raped her, then she turns and rapes her rapist uh, There's several women murdered by a serial killer but the cat is what was the tipping point. Oh, thing. you're talking.
0: I'm like, I thought you were talking about this. No, movie, the girl like, dragon tattoo. I don't tattoo. remember any of that, but yes, uh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. And,
1: and so, but I'm going. Really, that was that was that was where you stuck. You know, you could have put up with everything else except for the cat. So. It,
0: well, because people have mm-hmm. free will. Right. And the animal does or, not. Or, but uh, another, also that animal did not die. Another good example
1: in, um, uh, The Ring, the American remake of The Ring. I know people who are oh, qualified. the horses. By single that's horse rough
0: to watch, though.
1: Yeah, but again, people are you know, slaughtered by...
0: Honestly, the trailer for the right. new Jurassic World movie, when you're seeing those dinosaurs go over the cliff, right? if that's a big chunk of the movie, I don't know that I want to watch it. You know, that is like viscerally upsetting to me, to see those giant animals careening through space and then landing in water, and I'm like, they don't... They can't swim. Like well, some, some of them spots. can't
1: swim, and the big armored ones obviously but it, can. But it
0: was much more upsetting to me than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Um, okay, so, oh, horse head. Horse, horse head in the bed. That's what happens. Right,
1: but but that was, again, <laughs> yes, you're right. It's been mocked so many times that it I mean, kind of it's loses.
0: like effective. That dude is screaming right. like, quote, a woman.
1: I well, mean, he is really doing the I thing. I think that... There's a, there's a lot of neat little touches to that scene. The fact that he has an Academy Award on his nightstand. Mm-hmm. The fact that he has the world's most elaborate bed. But I think there's a duality Gold to Gold sheets. Right. Oof. Why he's terrified. A, they killed his prize horse they paid so much for. B, they did that while he was asleep.
0: While well, he was asleep and then came into his house.
1: Right. They into came into his, his, bed. his house with a horse's head. In other words, all this was accomplished, and he didn't know it was he going on. He didn't know on. what was happening. So it could have very easily been his head, you know. Oh
0: yeah, one hundred percent.
1: So that I think that was what. Oh, also, uh,
0: a Fontaine gets the movie.
1: Right, <laughs> and we now have uh, from here to eternity as a result.
0: So then, uh, we have the uh, the offer and the refusal. Right, the big one. Right. Yeah. So.
1: That was something that also comes into the film make him an offer he cannot refuse that yes. comes into the, that's a theme in the movie, but the typically
0: it's mm-hmm. this thing happens or you die right. that's basically the offer that you can't refuse
1: so we uh we switch from there to it becomes what the story is really going to be about that was almost like a prologue it was it and was like this it, is who we're dealing with right.
0: even Tom, who probably didn't do the actual no, slaying no of the no, horse no, no. right, but they have reach in California, because this mm-hmm. is in California. They are all located in the outskirts of New York, maybe New Jersey. Yeah. They're not in the city. No. They're away a bit. Right. They definitely have to go through the turnpike and stuff, but I think they are in New York. Um, yeah, go ahead.
1: But uh, it goes on to, to the, the Salazzo line, which is uh, the uh, actual young Turk.
0: Yes, a young Turk.
1: Um, A drug baron, Virgil Salazzo, who is backed by the Totalia crime family. And uh, he's trying to involve Vito Corleone in the narcotics business, and the Corleone family has actually become very wealthy and very complacent Yes, in gambling and in uh, apparently bootlegging at one point. But yes, it, and through even prostitution. alcohol,
0: through gambling, and through women.
1: Right, um, which I'm guessing is prostitution.
0: And what, what he wants isn't just money, isn't mm-hmm. specifically money, but the Corleone family has basically pocketed a large quantity of cops and politicians. Mm. And that's what they want. They want favor with cops and politicians Well, because to look the know, other way while they start running drugs. Vito
1: Corleone very, very rationally decides this is not for him because he feels it will actually turn the police officers and politicians that they've bought. They see the vices as things that people will, you know, people will drink, people will gamble, people will, Need prostitutes. Well, need prostitutes. Ladies. Right. Um, we're very important. But these are vices. They're not something that can actually destroy a person or ruin families. Or, right. you know Or communities. It's a gambling, also the community. Gambling can to a limited extent. But yes, it's uh, actually eating communities alive. And there's a very disturbing scene later on where you find out uh, that one of the drug lords agrees to support or one of the uh, mafiosos agrees to support Salazzo as long as he keeps it inside the black community. Yes. Because they're so That's with at the, at
0: the round table right. later where they're like you won't be around children, you will like nobody will sell mm-hmm. the children. Like they're setting up rules, but that's um after. So Vito basically is like I I respect what you're doing and I respect mm-hmm. you. I am not going to agree to this.
1: He doesn't actually respect him, but he's, <laughs> he's no, a very but he wise man says it right, and he says that at the same time as sending who who is one of his trusted allies from back in the old days, and um,
0: also very much a lenny figure right he he's like a tragic figure to me, legitimately because mm-hmm. I mean he's clearly a hitman, right? He's right. an assassin. he is a person who kills people. He's a very large man and a with a very small intellect like. Right um he is at the wedding scene he is you just see him practicing his speech thanking um don corleone for inviting him on the occasion of his daughter's wedding and he pra- he's practicing and he's practicing and you see him in the background practicing it over and over and over again he gets in front of don corleone and fucks it up <laughs> it's just like oh no and it's
1: a pity i think that scene is more tragic because there's just such a lack of respect for him being this big scary goon And I think also that it reflects how complacent the Corleone family has become to where they're going to have Luca Brazzi as their spy. And this guy obviously does not have the wits to be uh, spying around and being inconspicuous because he's enormous, for one thing. Right. And he's supposed to report information. He does not survive very long because Salazzo's idea, as as supported by the Totalia family, is to... Put the Corleone. The Corleone is out of business. Out of business,
0: yeah. Or
1: at least to get rid of the old Don and let someone... Uh...
0: Younger. Well, because Sonny mm. at the meeting... hmm Fucking Sonny says some shit that he says shouldn't have said in front of somebody that wasn't the right. family. Sonny showed interest. Right. And said it out loud, contradicting his dad in front of these other people, right, basically, and showing a way in, right, to the family. There's a way
1: in, which is... I think Sonny's actually responsible for a lot of what happens oh,
0: later on. 100%.
1: Um... But, uh, so he sends Likabatsi, who does not survive very long. He gets
0: garrotted,
1: Which is kind of horrible.
0: It is. It's a long, yeah, strangling. I mean, he's a
1: large guy,
0: so it would take a long time. And at the same time, because, so at the same time, they've done this, this coordination. Mm-hmm. So at That's the same time, Vito's going I have to buy some flowers. I don't know what he's doing.
1: And he's taken for his bodyguard. Again, this is how complacent he's become.
0: His bodyguard's called in sick, right. which is apparently on something has happened happening mm-hmm. on the regular. And he's like, that's cool. Um, Fredo's like, I'm good to drive. And I'm like, y'all yeah, have bodyguards for a reason.
1: Now, Fredo's first scene, you see him at the wedding, he is drunk. So Absolutely drunk. Absolutely drunk. And he's doing a great, the, the actor's doing a great performance as a, you know, basically... Just being kind of this drunk nerd, do well and he must have had a great deal of self-confidence, I think, to be able to play a part that limp, you know. Yeah. But, um, so there's a hit on Vito. Yeah. And.
0: He takes many shots. I think he's probably many. shot like five times. Yeah.
1: And at one point, they're, they're, the assassins are just shooting him point blank. Yeah. And his son comes out and is so incompetent that he actually can't physically hold the gun because he's shaking That's right. And then instead of calling for help, he sits there crying while his father is waiting out. Yeah. So he's just, Fredo is just not the person that you want. He's not going
0: to, well, he's certainly not going to be in the lead. Right, right? but. Then we um, are seeing the kids. Um, Mm -hmm. Michael comes out of a movie theater and Kay points to the newsstand, which says that uh, Vito Corleone has been Uh, assassinated might have been assassinated and
1: again remember this is made to be sort of like an opera there's a very operatic element there's a kind of a julius caesar kind of element to it that fredo that michael is rushing to him the same way that mark anthony rushes and gives a speech on the death of of julius caesar but it's so
0: interesting that this is such a famous family in this area right this happens uh, i mean he finds out within an hour yeah and he doesn't have a cell phone (laughs) <laughs> like like that's bonkers to me. But mm-hmm. it's it's a cool little thing. And she's like, You need to go home and he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the family. Sonny's there. Sonny wants to blow everyone the fuck up. They're trying to call Luca Brazzi. Mm-hmm. They can't get a hold of him. In maybe one of the funniest lines of all time. I was they're like, Maybe he's shacked up with a woman. mm mm-hmm. And one of the the dudes that works for them goes, Luca never spends the night. He leaves once he's done. I'm just like, how the fuck <laughs> do you know that? Everyone
1: is in each other's business. I Up guess. in each other's business. There's it's kind of inexcusable and horrible. I, I yeah. Again, this starts the... Uh, the the attempted assassination of the catalyst were really all the things that happened afterwards.
0: And it is an attempted at sa- assassination. Yeah. Vito is not dead.
1: No, he um, is not. He's in a hospital room. Michael goes to visit him.
0: No security.
1: Well, no, there was security before, <laughs> was. but when Michael arrives, there is none, the night that he arrives. And so he is able to, and here's where you get to see why he got to be a war hero. Mm -hmm. Because he's so calm and collected, Mm. guiding the nurse through getting this person. He came off to another room. This nurse is like,
0: you can't be here. I got rid of everybody, this, that, Mm -hmm. and the other. And he's like, look, they tried to kill him. They know where he is. We need to move him. Like, bitch, do you want to get shot? Because...
1: (laughs) (laughs) He is very sharp and very calm. And And the the
0: nurse Mm -hmm. listens to him and does what he says, which I was a little surprised by. Well, because
1: at the the same time, there's a sort of... Obviously, the voice of authority is what he's using, and he looks like he's in charge. And so he's able to get his father moved to another room, and also the baker, who had earlier showed up in the film, who had asked a favor for getting uh, his assistant to stay in the country, because his uh, daughter wanted to marry the assistant. That's right. Uh, So he was going to go visit Don Corleone, and Michael marshals him to stand outside with him and pretend to be and
0: Pretend. Oh, put your hand in your pocket like you've got a gun right
1: and there's a wonderful scene where after the and dudes drive
0: by that clearly right. are nefarious um, and they see them out there and they don't right. do anything
1: and when the baker when they pass the baker pulls out his head for a cigarette to light a cigarette he's, just, he's trembling but Michael is incredibly steady yep so that he lights you, his he, and you right. can
0: see it, he lights his, um, his cigarette and his hand is
1: right Step and this is the reason, uh, that's one of the reasons why, again, this film got referred to a lot in my screenwriting class, because there are little character bits that completely, and it also is not just the screenplay, but the fact that you have a world-class cast yeah. in this film. Yeah. So the assassination attempt is foiled, but Michael falls afoul of Captain Mark McCluskey,
0: Oh, such a dick!
1: <laughs> who, uh... This
0: giant Irish cop who hates Italians and mm. really just wants to tell you how much he hates Italians. Right, and it's punches. Mm. One punches Michael in yeah. the face so hard he breaks his jaw, yeah. and Michael is walking a mm. bruise for most of the rest of the movie. Right,
1: there's a and something that you know I, I mentioned to you. This is Sterling Hayden. Who is like Robert Mitchum, one of the great outside leading men of the 50s and 60s? But he was such an outsider that he abandoned Hollywood at one point and just sailed a boat around the tropics. He's huge. He's six foot five. He's a big man. And so it's really believable when he just breaks his jaw that way. But he's a vile, racist cop who's on the payroll of probably the Totalia family. Because I don't think Salazzo yes, is paying for anything he, himself. Well,
0: no, that's probably true.
1: is—he spends most of the movie running around asking money from other people, so I don't yeah. think he well, has Well, he's
0: not asking, like I said, he's not just asking for money. Mm-hmm. He's asking for right. the protections and the ins and the influence that they have.
1: Yeah, but he's also, he's clearly not a power player inside this area himself yet.
0: Not yet. Um, um, but
1: he's quickly established himself by siding himself with you know, you think that Totali is, and then there's something else going on. but
0: And then we find out um, oh, right before that, we find we get a delivery of the bulletproof vest that Luca Brazzi was wearing, which is surra- uh, wrapped in fish.
1: Wrapped around a fish.
0: Wrapped around a fish. And which... which means it's the universal language where Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> So he did, right? And that was funny too because Michael had picked up the phone to call him again, right. and you just hear him hang it up. <laughs> right. like,
1: like and again, son. there's very funny bits, but you have all these actors who are interacting with each other, and they're able. I think a lot of the bits of business were actually improvised. Yeah, because they did have this kind of cast.
0: Yeah, and then we've got they want to take out Salazzo and the cop, right? Um, and Michael's like, "I'll do it," and they're. And they talk about it and they set it up and this is where he's going to put... They're going to find out where he's going to meet them in Mm -hmm. a public place and they're going to have a gun there because they know he's going to get pat down. And it's
1: important to to note here as well that it's supposed to be a secret meeting place. Michael's going to visit them. Yeah, it's a secret
0: meeting place and they find out where it's going to be because they've got people in the police force. Right, the same
1: informants.
0: And And the captain has to say, because he's like in charge of everything or whatever Mm -hmm. he has to like log where he's going to be so he's like for two hours i'm going to be at this restaurant so they know where it's going to be and they say that's perfect for what we want it's Mm -hmm. a small place nobody's going to look at you
1: and here you see sonny also trying to coach michael through how to kill a person
0: and Michael's like, fuck you, dude. i want more.
1: <laughs> so you see the difference between the, the street smart Michael character. Michael is and the
0: guy that holds the gun the way you're supposed to hold a gun. Mm-hmm. Sonny is the guy that tilts it 90 degrees. <laughs> you know and, what I mean? Like... And,
1: yeah, it's, it's to James Kahn's credit that he just went, ran with, playing this incredible hothead. Yeah. Um, there's a very funny gesture that I'll, I'll mention later. It's not appropriate to it right now. But Michael, eventually they, they hide a a. a a gun for Michael in mm-hmm. the bathroom.
0: So they taped the gun in there, and I was like,
1: mm-hmm. they're going
0: to take the gun <laughs> behind the toilet, which is what I think every other person who's ever hit a gun has done. Right. Like, I just kind of want to just go into bathrooms randomly and go, <laughs> start Because this is where you put them. Um, and he goes out and just fucking bap-bap.
1: Bada-bing, bada bada-bing, I believe. Is them both.
0: In the face that is the face squibs that you were talking right. about like he shoots McCluskey dead in the forehead right um and nobody that was the other thing nobody'd ever shot somebody that high up on the right. police like heat was going to come down
1: and the heat does come down and they
0: say before he walks out uh-huh. the door you can't come back you got to go
1: well michael also do, uh, is smart enough to warn tom higgin to reach to the out to the press And to paint this... uh... Tell him
0: how dirty he was. Right. Show how dirty he was. Yeah.
1: And so uh, you know that he has the entire skill set to take over this family and to do it properly.
0: So the idea is going to be to make him look worse and worse, Mm -hmm. thus making Michael look... Not as, Almost as bad. Almost as if he has
1: done a public service.
0: Not as bad. Yeah, right. this dude was gonna sell drugs to your kids, and right. this this cop was on the take. Right. Exactly. And so he's basically done a public service, and
1: and he has a perfect. I mean, the, but they the say of, he
0: won't be able to come back for right. two, for a year, and he gets assaulted.
1: So he was assaulted by a dirty cop and a drug dealer. So yes, there's no way of covering this because that's exactly what happened. Yeah. But they're exaggerating this. But there's a lot of um. There's a lot of open warfare at this point. Um, Yeah,
0: Michael runs to Sicily. He he has to take shelter in Sicily. And then Fredo is shipped out um, to uh, work under Mo Green in Las Vegas. So he goes to Vegas to learn casino trade. And I don't know if they're planning at this point to maybe close down operations in New York and move the family to Las Vegas, but that ends up being what their goal is going to be.
1: And this is also, there's a, a scene, I, I believe it's probably taken from older stock footage of the strip back in the day. Oh that, yeah, that I'm sure. It.
0: And uh, Sonny's left alone to his own devices. Not really. Dad's there, but he's
1: recovering. still
0: convalescing. Right, um, exactly. And it's not really clear how much time passes in this part. Yeah. So Sonny is, he wants to kill everybody. What he does do is attack his brother-in-law um, Connie's husband because he goes to visit Connie and she is be uh, she is pregnant mm-hmm. like visibly pregnant and her face is covered in bruises dude
1: on the face dum-dum which is also where James Khan does a little bit of overacting when he bites his hand to stifle you know the, the oh he
0: does he does that <laughs> very, he bites his nose like, kind of really nobody's ever actually done that dude <laughs> right. He threatens to kill him if it happens again. He finds out that it happens again. And he, learning nothing Mm. from the shots his father took, takes the car and speeds off towards the city to go, apparently, to kill his brother-in-law Yeah, ahead of his bodyguards, does not wait for them, Mm. gets in the car by himself, drives himself to the toll booth at the toll booth. They're waiting for him, and they murder him.
1: Right.
0: So, Sonny, out.
1: Yes. Now, while this is going on, it's important because we made the jump, we're learning the story of Michael in Michael's Sicily. in
0: Sicily. He goes to the tiny village on the hill of Corleone.
1: Which is a beautiful village. It's
0: lovely. Uh, he falls in love with a woman who says no things to him. I mean, they show them talking, uh-huh. but you never hear, like you almost never hear her talk. Here's what you hear her say. You promised!
1: <laughs> well, this is, uh, because this, and this is why it takes a, over the course of time, he meets her, or he sees her, he's thunderstruck.
0: He sees her, and um. then they're like, we saw this woman, more Greek than Italian looking, and then she's va-va-voom, and, and then you find out that they're describing this to a shopkeeper, and that shopkeeper is her dad. Right, And then, fucking Michael... Smooth as a motherfucker. It's like, no, get him out. I want to talk to him. They're like, nah, you should. Like his bodyguards yeah. are like, you should go. Right. So, like you have pissed him off. You should go. And his
1: bodyguards are more like his pals at this yeah. point than they you know. are the worst bodyguards. Right. We find out as it turns out really the worst bodyguards because later. But over the course of the, uh, of this extended scene, he's in Sicily. He marries her.
0: Well, let me let me because, finish what I was saying. Right. He wants to talk to the father of this woman who now he is like this I'm marrying this woman like he's already got that in his head the man comes out of his business the man to whom he has I mean he has just offended this man by talking about his daughter the way that he has talked about his daughter and he is respectful but he stays seated which I think was like a huge baller move where he was like I'm not gonna get up right you're gonna talk to me I'm Michael Corleone. Sound familiar? <laughs> right. And I'm not going to get up, but I want you to introduce me to your daughter. Well,
1: what he does, the way that he phrases it, is, um, and
0: I will watch uh, under your su- family to, supervision, right. whatever you need me to do. But I want to meet your daughter. Right. Like
1: he introduces himself <laughs> pretty much during when he's doing that as his son-in-law. He says that to the guy. Oh, Sorry. does he? Oh, right. in Italian? R- well, no, he says... It, oh, because
0: he doesn't do it in, in Italian. Right. He is speaking in English. He knows some Italian, I right. would say, is a, is a fair
1: amount. Uh, <laughs> he he makes that very clear, what his intentions are, and then we're led to the, the montage of him courting the woman, and then later marrying her. Yeah. And then their wedding night, which <laughs> it's just very funny. Again, she doesn't speak much, but we get to see her naked. Uh Yes. Well, at least the top of her. And then uh, And you're
0: look I'm looking at her and I'm like, Is she like seventeen? She's a very, young, she's a very woman.
1: young woman. And the only time, as you said, that you hear her speak is when she is. He's driving teaching on her to drive. Yeah. And that winds up being the death of her because she is part of the assassination wave that happens with Sonny's death.
0: Right. When Sunny dies mm-hmm. at the same time, somebody right. has enlisted and they're they're getting ready to get him out of the country because right. it's getting too hot. Yeah. Um. But somebody has enlisted those, uh, good for nothing bodyguards to go ahead and put well, a car one bomb. One of them
1: we know for sure is the other one seems to be drunk. We don't know the other right. one. We don't know, but one of movie. them for sure is responsible for Apollonia's planted
0: this car bomb. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and Apollonia is like, want let me drive to you. I'll come pick you up. Mm-hmm. And as that's as she's yelling that to him from across the courtyard. He's watching the other bodyguard, like hustle ass, walk out of the mm. gate, and he knows what's going to happen. And he right. yells, "No!" But she starts the car, and right it explodes. So, so
1: he's that's his catalyst for coming back to the states. Well,
0: he was coming back anyways, right. but now he's coming back heartbroken.
1: Um, and he's he's coming in hot. He's not gonna. Um... He goes back there and he Vito, wants to. He
0: is, but Vito is not mm-hmm. hot. Vito is cool. Vito wants to make peace because mm-hmm. he's lost his son and he's an old man.
1: Well, he calls for a meeting of all the Dons. Yeah. And realizing that Barzini's actually in charge. Now, Barzini, again.
0: The Tatalias are controlled by, the Barzi- right. by
1: Don Emilio Barzini. Who's played by Richard Conti. He's
0: very good.
1: And he's very. You fun. look at
0: his face and you go. That's a
1: bad guy. Richard Conte did that a lot. When he's, he, a,
0: he's got a he was, bad guy
1: face. He was, uh, there's a really funny joke, and it's a pity because um, Billy Crystal says it's passed out of meaning. Like, nobody will get the joke nowadays. But he said that one of his first routines was about having you know, the Jewish kids play the Italian kids at basketball. Yeah, and he says the Italian kids had like crosses so big there were actual people on them, oh, and their school was Our Lady of Richard Conti. Oh, interesting. And he said the joke will never play anymore. It's no, hysterical it's, to older people who get yeah. Richard Conti. You know? <laughs> no, but that's he's how sinister these people were. That's like their patron saint. So yeah, so um, they
0: come together. They have right. a round table, and basically, he's like, "I'm not going to seek the avenging of my son. Mm-hmm. You don't seek anymore. Like nothing that we do is going to bring our kids back." Right. I will not stand in the way of the heroin business, but let's not sell to children. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a decision that's made. Oh,
1: this is the the piece that he makes with, um,
0: the five families.
1: No, but he doesn't make it. it, it he thinks, or he's dealing directly with, uh, Titania?
0: Yes. And well, because Tatyia is the one that says, right, "What are you gonna? Are you gonna come after me? Right. For killing your son?" And Sonny had killed his son. Right. So that is why he did what he did. Exactly. Well, that was one of the reasons he did what he but
1: did. But it's like uh, Vito is wise enough, again, to know that even though he's making this public piece, Barzini is the one he's supposed to be watching out for the whole time. Or... Yep.
0: And we hear him <clears throat> later, now I know Barzini mm-hmm. is in charge of this whole right. thing.
1: But it also, that happens... There's a a temporary piece put up. Uh, Michael begins courting Kate again. Kate. Kate, I'm sorry, who's a school teacher at this point, I believe?
0: Yeah, she's a teacher, and Uh he goes to her. I don't know if he goes to her because he needs the cover of Family.
1: There's a good question, because you, the way that... He
0: doesn't feel for her the way he felt for Apollonia. That's clear on his face and in his actions. I think he cares for her. There's... But it, fe- she feels like
1: coverage. Part of the great part about Pacino's performance in this movie, and something that he lost later on when he's you know doing the now shouting, screaming, hail of bullets.
0: Pacino, Pacino.
1: Um, he, uh, he, he's does.
0: subtle in this movie, which is a thing he's that I never very knew. Very subtle
1: and very crafty. And yeah, yeah, you, your generations, Pacino, you didn't get that Pacino. You got the screaming, Pacino, right? <laughs> yeah, no. But the the this Pacino, the very crafty Pacino, what he's playing here you're not really sure what his motivations are when he's doing anything that he does. Yeah. And so, to me, it could be a sign that he needs a wife that will help fit into the establishment. Right. But he, he goes
0: to her with, right. and because she knows what his family does, right. and she now knows that he's working for his family, the very first and thing says, he says, we're going right. legitimate in five years. The first in thing five he years, says in the wedding be...
1: is telling her about the big band leader that mm-hmm. had to be threatened with death. Yes, and That's the first thing out of his mouth to her about his family.
0: Yeah, so he, well,
1: what? that we see. That we see. And, so. and the
0: fact that she doesn't mm-hmm. flee at that moment
1: right. means that she already knew. And this is something also about this film and people who like the film who talk about her innocence. And I'm never willing to buy that. I don't buy into the fact that she's innocent. I because don't think she she's knows, innocent
0: because she knows what
1: she, she knows. The where life this money is coming from.
0: She does. She knows where the money right. is coming from. And she knows the life that it's going to afford her. Right. And that's the life that she wants to have. And
1: she's a person used to privilege. She's a person used to a certain comfort. And she's going to get more than enough of that. Yeah. And so she goes into it with her eyes wide open. There's yeah. no excuses for her. Um, so you
0: see also the, the First Lady of the United States. Right. You have agency in your life. I don't feel bad for you. Yeah, you uh, made poor choices. That's on you. Sorry, I'll get out of the po- the politics now. But yeah, no. But it feels to me that he does care for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: I don't know. I believe
0: mo- I would say seventy uh, thirty coverage.
1: I believe that he basically is buying a beard, so to speak. He's getting somebody right. who will be publicly acceptable. But
0: it's a person that he can
1: manipulate as well. Well, no, I know no, no. I feel that like he can because he he did that to her before. I mean, maybe,
0: but I right. also think that mm-hmm. she's pretty smart, so he could have conversations with her. Right. He they get along. They like to do similar things. Like on his off time, this is not a person that he would dread spending time no. with.
1: It's but, a question of how much honest feeling does he have for her? That's him. what
0: I'm saying, 70/30.
1: Is it <laughs> You wonder, is he is this some sort of outreach of grief? After I think both that's
0: also part of it. Losing
1: both Sonny and Apollonia? I think that's also part and of it. And now he's moved, motivated by revenge, because you see, he can't take a slight. He had to very personally shoot McCluskey right in the head at point-blank range.
0: Well, he didn't have to, but it made but the he, most sense for
1: him to do it. But he did. It's like... When it came to the chance to assassinating Salazar, see, I think
0: you're le- you're bringing your knowledge of the next movie no, no, in no, because I don't think that just, that is a the reason that I'm getting watching
1: one. this film now is how he doesn't seem to be able to take a slight. He takes it very personally, and we see it later with Connie's husband. It's like, but he doesn't. He's not a hothead about it. No, well, he will, no, sit there, he will
0: let it simmer for. He will a very sit there and time.
1: plan for years because the next scenes that we see, he's planning an all-out war. And to the extent where he even alienates Tom Hagen. Yeah. Uh, and,
0: and we don't... This is the weird part where mm-hmm. nebulous amounts of time has passed. Right, exactly. So we see him with kids. So we're like, okay, well, those kids are like three, so about five years has passed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those kids are seven, so ten years have passed. The scene with the boy and the oranges mm-hmm. is 1955. Right. So this is early 50s. Ten years
1: that passed between the beginning of the film... But yeah, there's a, he's making a plans, he, he goes and visits Fredo, who's fallen under the influence of Mo Green, who is a really, another hothead. Ray Large likes Sonny, slapping, you know, Fredo around. Fredo has no idea in how In
0: front of Fredo's family, through. that is
1: ballsy, man. Right.
0: You don't slap a, a man in front of his no, father? No, no. Right. That doesn't seem like a thing that's going to go I over d- very well. I believe
1: that he, Mo Green's sort of a stand-in for Bugsy Siegel. You know the sort of um, all Jewish gangsters life. who have built up Las uh, Las Vegas before it was began to get run by mob families.
0: Yeah, they went out, and Michael is like, I'm, "We're buying you out,"
1: yeah. and Mogren is like,
0: "Like oh fucking hell, you yeah. are." Um,
1: But again, Michael... And at this time, mm -hmm.
0: Tom has lost the position of consigliere. He's he's, just a family attorney now.
1: But I don't... Again, this is part of the manipulations, because he's not really out. He's just out so he can keep an eye on what else is going on.
0: But I think he's also kind of out, because mm -hmm. you do see that scene where he's like, why are you... Why am I out?
1: Right.
0: And he's like, you're not a wartime... You're not the one that's going to decide who gets killed next. That's not your jam. Well,
1: he also, to some extent, wants to spare him because he says, I don't want you to be a part of what's going to happen. Yeah. And no. these long, simmering plans he has. Yeah. And this is very Machiavellian. He's now moved into... Oh, yeah. This, the, uh, so we go from there to 1955, as he said. Yeah. And Vito has a fatal heart attack.
0: Right? Yeah, he's playing with yeah. his grandson in the yard. And there's the a yard. great
1: subtext to that scene. Because he's playing with his grandson, he puts an orange in his mouth and starts making scary monster faces and the kid starts to cry and he immediately he takes it out. And we as the audience know that he actually is a monster, <laughs> you know.
0: He is, but also he isn't
1: But then at the same time I don't
0: think he wanted
1: to so be So he pulls the orange out, so look, I'm not a monster, but right. we know that he kind of is kind and he of kind is. of isn't. Yeah. At the same time Because
0: we don't see yeah. I think that's the second movie that we see right. more of his because by this point, he mm. wants to live in comfort right. and relative peace. He, that is right, all exactly. he wants at so this point. So the point that
1: we see at this point in his life, he's not. But we get these flashes, especially from Michael's stories, about how willing he is to kill people yeah. who get in his way. Yeah. And so we know that he has the ability to do that. And you can
0: see when people come to talk to him, right. they are afraid of him. Yes. Like the people that know him.
1: He no longer has to personally kill anybody but people die when he says no and unfortunately some poor horse. Yeah. But um, so he has a heart attack and that seems really pastoral and kind of lovely. It is yeah and
0: yeah grandpa grandpa. Right. It's very sad.
1: It's very sad. For
0: For the kid to have to do that uh, and that's uh, Michael's son. Right.
1: And at the funeral, we see Barzini again, and he wants to arrange a meeting, which seems really tasteless to at the funeral try to announce. He the, wants know, a to
0: arrange a meeting, but this is
1: mm-hmm.
0: the culmination of a prior conversation that right. Vito and Michael had had. And he said, what, There's a mole in the organization, and whoever it is is going to set up a meeting with you and Barzini. Right. They're going to make it. So it seems like you are safe, but they're gonna try and take you out.
1: Now this in itself leads to one of the great pieces of cinema ever. Yeah. No, is, it was really It was incredibly influential and beautifully composed. It
0: felt like like an operatic version of the um Silence of the Lambs switcheroo. Mm-hmm. That's what it yeah. felt like, where you think you're seeing one thing, or, or right. you're seeing one thing, but you're also seeing the other thing at right. the same time. So, um, Tessio, Abe Fagoda,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, wants to set up this meeting. And then we know Tessio is the one. And they thought it was going to be, uh, some people were like, oh, I thought it was going to be the other, what was the other guy's name? Such so as a C. It, Tessio. Clemenza. And yes, and Clemenza are like the two. Um, they're underlings, but they've been with the family for a super long time. Like mm-hmm. Evergo has been. And they've asked an old permission man, to farmer. break away. at other points, They've right. ad- asked permission to break away from the family and start their own right syndicate. I guess they want to
1: be franchisees.
0: And yes, exactly. And but they know when Tessio does sets goes mm-hmm. to set the meeting that he is the. the Bad guy. And at the same time, Connie has asked Michael to be the godfather of her next right. child. Um, meanwhile, Michael's right hand man is her abuser, right? right. And um, the
1: person who's abuse, the second scene of abuse, and for people who are sensitive to that, oof. yes. It's, it, the camera is not flinching. It's basically there as an observer in the room. Right. Well, he, then
0: they go to another a room. Second and you just hear it. Just the second time. Beats the daylights out of her. Beats the daylights out of her. And turn, she's also pregnant right, in the scene. And
1: that second time is done specifically to get Sonny to run out from wherever he's hiding. Right. Because they're being sequestered most of the time. Yeah. To expose himself and to get killed. So he played a part in it, but the scene I'm describing is the scene where we're both baptizing and giving communion to
0: Yes. So it's basically it's basically the last big scene in the movie. Mm -hmm. It's not the last scene in the movie, but it's definitely the climax. Everything Mm -hmm. else is denouement. Where, yes, Michael Corleone is standing up in a church Mm -hmm. denouncing Satan. (laughs) Right. And then we are watching his plans at the exact same time going down where everyone is dying. He kills the heads of every one of those families.
1: He kills Roe Green. He kills Barzini. He and it's ruthless the way that he goes along it. I do mean, you
0: renounce Satan? I do, and then just murder, <laughs> right. just, just the, which violence, is
1: highlighting his hypocrisy, highlighting his, and something that
0: and the, his comfort right. of lying in a church,
1: y'all. Which is, and I know that we're not going to see Godfather Three, right? That wasn't something. No, that we it wasn't planning. But um, one thing that I really like about that film is that he gets a comeuppance. Where he tries to go legit at the end of that film, and he confesses to a priest who refuses to give him absolution because he consciously sins. Okay, and therefore, so there's a there's like a good, you
0: stood here and right.
1: knowingly you, lied. You lied, and um, it's a beautifully done scene because you can see. And he uh,
0: was his hand has not been forced to do no, this. No, 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 he's not. He's just like you know mm-hmm. what, I'm done. I'm done with all of this. Right. And he kills, yeah, every, five heads of family and Mo Green. And then...
1: He gets shot through the glasses. That was a bizarre kind yes.
0: of... Uh, be, well, he was being massaged?
1: Wasn't yeah, he, he was on the massage table? And he's shot through the glasses. He puts on his glasses just to get shot through them, which is, again, considering that it's a practical effect, an amazing gag, because the... Squid must have been so close to his eye. Like, yeah, i like, um, yeah, I don't like that.
0: And then Tessio is dealt with. Mm-hmm. He's he asks if he could sort of be let off
1: for old times' sake, and like, no. And they're
0: like, Just business, you're you're gonna die. Yeah, it's
1: business. Which is the scene that Norm Macdonald reenacted that with good when he was a guest star, right? And
0: and that was another thing that we had. Uh, missed from before while they were cleaning up after Vito was shot, Mm -hmm. they take his um, bodyguard who was MIA the day of the shooting, and they take him out to a field and they shoot him. Right, exactly. That's the take the gun, leave the cannoli scene. Thanks, Tom Hanks. Michael talks to Carlo, his stepbrother, uh, Connie's brother, Connie's husband, gross, (laughs) Connie's husband. Um, and he confesses that he set Sonny up to be murdered by Barzini's men, and then he kills him.
1: The fact that he forces him to confess before he kills him, and then lies to his face about how, you know, the confession actually will... this will
0: absolve you and right. you'll be fine.
1: And it doesn't sounds like a cop, right? And <laughs>
0: and then Connie loses her mind because Connie is just such a mess. And she's like, You killed everybody. You're behind it all. And and she's like, Kay, he did it. He's evil. Final and scene. then Kay is like, Did right. you do it? And Michael's like, Nope. And right. she's like, Phew.
1: <laughs> and it, which makes you wonder how willfully ignorant Kate is about everything.
0: Well, and then she's mm. look then people start coming in right. and they're kissing the ring. They right. go in and they're kissing his hand. And and so prostrating then, themselves right. to him, and then they close the door, and she's seeing all this, and she's like, "Oh, fuck <laughs> yeah, but I'm in it now.
1: Right. you ain't getting a divorce, girl. Like you in? Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think you can. At no, that point. no. What are you gonna do? You, <laughs> you are going to be how, part of the family. You've seen or how you are going people, to be dead. Those are your options. Right. There's uh, the expression in Spanish uh, of plomo which the drug lords used to use, silver or lead. You know, you have two choices. Mm-hmm. You either take the money or you take the lead. Yeah. Um,
0: so this movie is three hours long mm-hmm. and did not feel three hours long. No,
1: because there's so much going on. And there's a lot of individual set pieces. Yeah. And there's all sorts of story arcs that begin and end, like the whole thing with uh, Johnny Fontaine. Yeah. Uh, there is, are,
0: Yes story it's almost like a bunch mm-hmm. of short stories right
1: and then we go into the Barzini and Salazzo story then Salazzo gets killed and then it becomes well no it's uh, i guess it's the wedding the first story arc then it's uh the uh Frankie, his story arc yeah then it becomes the arc of Salazzo then it becomes Michael in Sicily and so it has yeah, these individual Yeah and it's almost like who we're
0: following all of them mm-hmm. it is a true ensemble situation. Right. Um now when you read the log line you know that Michael's gonna be the one right. at the end.
1: And I'm sure that to audiences who weren't familiar with the book, there might have been some doubt as to who to emerge as a leader.
0: Right. Um, I mean
1: Obviously it's not Fredo.
0: Sonny's coming up hot mm. and seems like he's not gonna be long for this world because he just doesn't think he doesn't before a, he right. acts.
1: He doesn't have a, a filter, he doesn't have he can't not act, and Michael is the one, again, who can simmer for years and take years to make a plot, and then... Because I do think he was waiting for Vito to die before he unleashed his wrath on everybody. But yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting watching the film. Holy balls!
0: I did but, not know that Kay was Diane Keaton until literally right now. You did not know. I didn't know. First of all, she seemed way taller than Diane Keaton ever mm-hmm. is, also, I only ever see Diane Keaton in a hat.
1: <laughs> Al Pacino is not particularly tall. Like Dustin Hoffman, he was one of the...
0: I want to rewatch the movie and see... Because she did not look like... Di- and I've seen Annie Hall, so I've really? seen a young Diane Keaton. I did not know it was Diane Keaton until right now.
1: Oh Holy balls. All right. Tell Talia
0: Shire, when you were... I was like, is that Adrian? <laughs> so, so she's been in this and the Rocky series, and... Yeah.
1: Well, then she did a lot of character acting, but she moved to be a producer, and, and she had a lot of success. There. I was watching a, a, a horror film with her and Robert Foxworth called Prophecy, and it was just weird watching her going, oh, well, She's hmm. only produced three things. But she was, I think, what was the other things? Wait.
0: The Landlady, Lionheart, and Hyper Sapien, people from another star.
1: Oh, yeah. she was a, Well, I mean, she was a, one of the early female producers. I don't know how much further her career got, but there was a big deal made about it at the time.
0: Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, no, but actress in 70 credits and she's still working. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, she's in Grace and Frankie. That's awesome. That's I a whole seen generation show, but I like the idea of that yeah. show. Um, yeah, but no, I did not realize it, that it was Diane Keaton the, the entire time. Oh, yeah, we yeah,
1: that's so that. funny. I, I would have thought that. Nope. Okay.
0: Also, she was blonder than I think I've ever seen. She's 19. also styled
1: to look like an, a a person in or woman in nineteen forty five. So That's that That's true too. She in.
0: had a lot of hair. Uh-huh. She had a fair faucet situation going on, even though it was supposed to be the forties. Like there was a lot of. Well,
1: it was the seventies version of the forties. Puffiness.
0: Um. Yeah. So I feel dumb. There we go. And yeah okay so that's the godfather we did it (laughs) i'd seen uh, yeah no every scene Mm -hmm. even though i was like oh i think i know what's gonna happen it kept my attention the whole time like i was super into it the whole time i'm a little nervous about the godfather part too because it's three hours and 22 minutes long Mm -hmm. that's a bananas amount of time
1: it is uh, I, I'm not sure if it's, I don't remember it being as engaging in the same way, but there's just as much in terms of story going on. And there's a lot of, um, because you get two threads to a story. Yeah. It's paralleling the, the, the father and the son. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm, you'll probably find it just as interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm intrigued. And all of these movies are currently on Netflix, all three right. of them. So we could watch all all of them. Uh, we might. We're gonna do a show. I think our next show is gonna mm. be on Godfather Part Two. That's the plan.
1: Because you probably want to get it. Uh, well, it's still fresh in your mind. And you can remember all the connections. That's between true. Films.
0: I can look at it and be like, mm. "Is that you, Diane Keaton?" Right. It is. Now you. you'll
1: know it's Diane Keaton going into- <laughs> I'm really surprised that you didn't know that was. I her. did
0: not know, and it's like our first thing. Right. Um. Yeah. No. I. I. No idea.
1: I think she overdoes it sometimes for me in this part. I don't think she's really sympathetic the, the, towards. I really, to
0: I don't know if I'm going to blame her or blame the fact that just Francis Ford Coppola was like, get this broad to do her thing and then get her off the set. Like, I just so few women in this movie. It is, it's upsetting to me a little
1: well, bit. Well, and, and it's, watching it now, I can see your complaint. They're completely peripheral to everything except as the object of desire. Yep. Or You're someone, here to,
0: yeah. to, for me to put my dick in. Like, that's it. Whether it's for pleasure or for making babies, that is what it's for. And it's like, really? <laughs> like,
1: Yeah. I, I, I,
0: we have brains, even in 1945.
1: Right. hmm I don't, uh, I think that Kay, Kay later you on... You are smart, smart lady. Kay later on shows some sort of agency in herself, but yeah, there isn't much in this first film. Yeah. It's really about the men and what they're doing and how they shut the women out of their culture. Yeah. And there might be more in the next film. So Interesting. Okay. Be... I wonder if that was a complaint at the time that there.
0: Unlikely, was... but I don't know. I um I will actually look that up. But okay, do you want to do recommendation? Sure. What do you have to recommend? There's this
1: so week? much. Um, the new recommendation would be Jessica Jones.
0: Oh, good, because I was gonna have to do two if you didn't say Jessica Jones, um,
1: which I was getting to the season, season two. Season two, and it is really it's an all-female directing staff. I believe I think that's right. Um and it's interesting in watching how you're diverted uh, the difference between what maybe a male director would emphasize and what a female director would emphasize. Yeah. There's a love scene in the, in the show where you get to see instead of a lot of, you know, hard bodies, you just see a woman's face while she's enjoying herself. And like.
0: also at no point during that scene is someone thrown up against the wall.
1: No. Yeah. Um <laughs> Which is, yeah, that's one of Even my Even though pet
0: one of them is high on a drug that m- would make that actually right. a feasible thing. Con-
1: contextually accurate. But, um, no, yeah, that's always been one of my pet peeves. Why are people being slammed into walls? You know that's what sexy. I do? I do martial arts. People slam into walls, they get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> that's basically what happens. I don't get it. But, um, but anyhow... Uh, And I'm really enjoying this season. I think the characters are interesting. It's taken an interesting twist from last season.
0: It is, yeah. Um, And I was concerned mm -hmm. because Kilgrave was such a good villain from Mm -hmm. season one. David Tennant played an incredible villain. And, Mm. sorry, minor spoiler alert, he does not appear in this season for (laughs) reasons. and um,
1: His character in the first season is... And this is something I think we've discussed with um, Christopher Lee. Said, uh, well, Christopher Lee, Ian Fleming was his um, unc cousin, I think. Unc cousin. Uncle yeah. oh, was, was he uncle? Was he his cousin? I can't remember.
0: No one's fact checking. But him. Lee
1: said Someone's that, in speaking to Ian Fleming, he goes, "The the thing about the Bond stories is really the villain. It yeah. centers on the villain. If the villain isn't good, it won't hold yeah, together." Because
0: Bond is just. You know,
1: he, well, he has to Nothing. act he against needs the, something. Yeah, yes. right? yeah,
0: On his own, he's
1: well. On his own, he's yeah. Nothing. His whole well, I wouldn't say that, but his whole purpose. Mm. Is he
0: he likes to eat a food.
1: He likes to eat a food. He, he, and have sex
0: with a lady. That's
1: basically, he's just a person who loves, this gives him the excuse to put he'd his... He'd
0: be like super fat if he didn't <laughs> have
1: villains. I think that it goes beyond that. He needs to be very close to dying all the time. That's the character you get yeah. from the book.
0: He'd probably just kill himself. He would be a like, thrill seeker. In a, yeah. Right.
1: He would be jumping off a building. Right, exactly. I'm so. like,
0: he'd be, yeah, mm. he'd be the one that splats from, um, what is the diving... Off of the, I can't remember. The, the cliff diving? No. Or? Just off of a building where you right. like parachute off of a building. Yeah. Hey guys,
1: don't do that. <sighs> but, um, and so what you get a sense is. Base jumping. Sorry, the go ahead. food <laughs> and the women to bond are kind of his way of.
0: Making this gray life less gray.
1: Well, not just that. It's also making it so that all of his experiences become intensified because he's going to, he's just made a. Yeah, a resolution that he's either going to survive or die. Or die, right. So he's not going to be the character. He's basically suicidal a lot of the time. Feels like, yeah. And so it really depends on the villain to carry the weight of the story. It's like, how bad is this person to where we need to send in the guy whose life is constantly in danger? Right. And so with Kilgrave, you got a person who was completely, totally, irredeemably evil. Evil, yeah. And he joins a handful of villains, I think, in the very first of the um, Dirty Harry movies. The psycho killer that Andy Robinson plays, who's no, just no absolutely evil. There's no redeeming factor to him at all. So it was. I don't think they could have followed that up with another villain, and they chose a very interesting way to go in this season. Yeah,
0: the season's really good. We're not done. We're mm-hmm. ten episodes of thirteen, I yeah. think. In.
1: So, but yeah, it was. I'm just really but amazed. But the at other what thing done.
0: is, this is the first Marvel. Netflix series, they're all 13 episodes long. Mm -hmm. Every one that they've done from the first Daredevil through now, there's usually a dip. There's usually a two to four episode dip. It was a little bit different in The Punisher where it was just the first six episodes were a slow ramping up. Mm -hmm. But in all of the other seasons, it was like a strong four, a weak four, Mm -hmm. a strong five. Like that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) the way that um, they have sort of typically been... Except for been. Iron
1: Fist, which was just sort of slow, slow, slow. Yeah. So
0: bad martial arts, bad martial arts. Oh, sad. But this one has mm. been strong. I think every episode's yeah. been strong. So. It's
1: been strong, and there's a really strong point of view.
0: And I, James, yeah. um, had posted on Facebook something along the lines of, ah, that, se- that point in the season of Jessica Jones where I fall in love with Malcolm. <laughs> He's so lovable and handsome.
1: Doesn't make good choices. Well... At this point, and I, I think he's the, a child. The tragedy to that character is that he his life got ruined, and it wasn't it his wasn't his fault. fault which yeah, is a, you know,
0: ooh, somebody make you do all those drugs? Mm, mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, Jessica Jones very good, and Kristen Ritter. I never cared one way or the other he? about her before this character. I really think she's doing.
1: She's doing really, really good work, work in this. Right. Yeah,
0: um, I and didn't dislike her. I just was like, and she, okay,
1: she reminds me of Barbara Steele. So yes, that's right. a thing to... for a good reason.
0: My thing is going to be *A Winkle in Time*. It's so nice. It's about love and how love will conquer. Also, it's an uplifting story starring fantastic children. Right. And people of color
1: no, I'm I have a few more now, reservations, about yes, that.
0: so I have uh. never read the books, right, so I came to it blank slated. I started reading them in February. I got sixty pages in, but I've been having some concentration issues with my reading, so I just right. that was as far as I could go, and it's not the fault of the books, it's the thing that's going on with me. So I was like, "Well, I'm. I don't want to necessarily force myself to read it, and then be sitting in the movie like, they changed this. Right. This is different. Why is this different? They changed it. and I don't like it."
1: No, that you're wasn't not saying that I'm doing that. You're just saying that. that no, could have been but
0: that's not how I wanted right. to approach the movie. So for me, mm-hmm. knowing that this is a children's movie, right, exactly. I enjoyed it very much. Mm-hmm. That's what I will say. I, th- I thought it was uplifting. I thought the kids were very good. Um, I w- wanted to stay in each location longer, but I understand why they didn't. So they would have either taken locations out, which I don't think they could have afforded to do, right. or made it unbearably long, as it was. It was the right length, I think. Um So yeah, I liked it. And you never stop saying I love you and then you'll win.
1: (laughs) I appreciated it. And I appreciated the fact that a lot of the major set pieces from the book are there. If you're looking for the scene of the bouncing balls, if you're looking for the scene where they go off to the other planet and uh, these beautiful kind of angelic beings that are all flying. Yes, those scenes are there. The scene where she reclaims her brother is done exactly as it is in the book, more Mm -hmm. or less. So a lot of it is intact. The omissions bother me because that's what made the book so unique in some ways. And I I don't think the change um, in the race of the children makes a huge difference at all.
0: I don't think it makes... Any difference. Now, like I said, I haven't read the book, but, um, so I don't know. And
1: remember, it's one of the series of books, so you're you're again I, I got as far as the third book and it follows their family for generations, frankly. Okay. As it goes on because they
0: take out two kids. Yeah,
1: they take out the two and the two kids wind up becoming heroes much later on down the series of books. Okay. All of Lengel's books are interconnected. Okay. Even her young adult fiction that has no fantasy elements to it Oh, sort
0: of like Stephen King has like right. a, like a universe right. that he's writing. More or less. Edgar
1: Rice Bros. did the same thing, but all of his roles were so fantastic it made sense. But um, anyway. No, I
0: thought it was... I liked that it wasn't just white kids.
1: Right. And I, I appreciate that because it's a different time that we're dealing with. It would have been just as impactful to have any little girl there, but... This actress really carried the part. Yeah.
0: Her name is Storm, and she's awesome. She
1: is really good. I didn't care too much for her, the little boy playing... Charles Wallace? Yes.
0: I liked him very much, and I Mm -hmm. thought he did have the gravitas to pull it off, but once again, I don't know what the book says. But I thought on the screen, he was great.
1: And I I did like... I think that there were... And
0: I think one of the reasons that I I, I just want to... Because I think we talked about it a little bit, but I want to say this... They got a child. He is maybe seven. Right. He's playing five. I'm glad that they didn't get a better actor mm-hmm. at the expense of age because I think it's important that he be very small. And especially because I think they've changed. A, uh, in the book, I believe, Dad's been gone for a year. In the movie, he's been gone for four. And Charles Wallace basically has zero r- Recollection of him. Also, because he was adopted into the family just mm. before he died, or not da- died, he disappeared before right. dad disappeared, um, which adds a separate thing where he doesn't have this connection mm. and uh, this memory.
1: I'll put it this way there's a, a range of books that I grew up with where the books were done justice and where they were ruined. This wrinkle in Time is made for. Well, okay, here we go. The scale starts, the top of the scale would be Bridget Terabithia, where they did just a beautiful adaptation of that book. And the bottom of the scale would be Tuck Everlasting, where one of the best children's books ever written has an all-star cast of amazing actors, and they just blow it. How do you blow William Hurt and Ben Kingsley and Sissy Spacek in a movie and just have it be that dumb? Oh, wow. Um, Probably by giving them less screen time than Alexis Bledel and some random kid that I don't know.
0: Yeah, and as much as I've watched a lot of Gilmore Girls. Uh, Alexis Pledel can be very wooden.
1: Well, she basically is not, she's not the...
0: And I haven't read that book either, so I don't, and and I haven't seen the movie. Part
1: of the appeal of the book is how beautifully written it is, and I think that would be difficult to capture, but at least follow the book somewhat, instead of trying to make it appeal to tweens, modern tweens, just sort of You have a classic story. Just go with it. It's bizarre enough as it is. Right. But no, I enjoyed A Wrinkle in Time. I think it was geared towards people much younger than me. Right. A lot of children... It's a perfect children's movie. Um, I don't think it's a film that was intended for the whole family. It really is intended to carry a message to children is that it succeeds.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the people that were um, rating it on the poorer side Mm -hmm. were like, it's too positive. Like, it's too everything's going to be okay. It's like, And I'm like, I think kids, and also me, Mm. need that sometimes. Like, shit is bleak in the
1: world. And we saw it in the full house. Yeah, there were a
0: lot of people in the theater. And there was people
1: who were young, people who were older, people who grew up with the book. And and I I think it still wins on that side. I think Reese Witherspoon runs away with some of her scenes. She's really She's very very good
0: in it. And Oprah's doing some good work,
1: right? But I think Oprah, unfortunately, gets to be is playing Oprah almost in a way,
0: right? Yeah, she couldn't have been either of the other ones for sure, right? She just She's the of... one who just shows up, towering above all of them. Right. Oh, am I the wrong size? I don't know, Oprah, are you? <laughs> right.
1: And so I think that are uh, you hurting
0: your neck, craning it, looking down at us? You're very tall right now.
1: There's a but I think the film actually works. I, I, I appreciate it. It's not the same as what I grew up with. but yeah. again, what I grew up with is going to have to change over time.
0: Well, and also, I, I like to think of it as an adaptation, right? It is right? an
1: adaptation. But it is a good adaptation that works, that tells the story. As oh, as I said, I'm like... I
0: didn't love the music. And I think I you think had the same... A similar I, the problem. feeling that
1: I have is that the director is not familiar with how to deal with this kind of material No, yet. she
0: does like dramas. serious drama stuff and documentary this is the first so sort of very fantasy type thing mm-hmm. that she's done she does a good job well, I've I don't read think a, she does I've do written an interview job. with
1: her with New Yorker where she describes how this is going to be the fantasy world as seen through a woman of her experience and yeah. her background and we don't get to see that enough because nope. we get to see a lot of sort of fanboy universes yep. where Princess Leia in a metal bikini yep um, see ready player one uh which, which is
0: through several fanboys' eyes. <laughs> right.
1: So this was interesting. I will also
0: be going to see that movie, so let's. that's fine.
1: <laughs> this is interesting seeing it from the point of view of a woman who didn't have the benefit of the same things or even the same background um, that I had because, as I mentioned, All right, go in the book, the it, the horrible it, is represented at one point by a throbbing brain, which is a very 50s science fiction kind of trope. So that's the sort of thing that I say...
0: Hey all, it's Amity here in the editing part of the podcast life cycle, and I'm popping in here because towards the end of our record, I was distracted by a turtle with a phone case. My distraction threw off Lemuel, Lemuel's thrown offness caused me to stress out, freak out, blow everything up, and keep us from recording the end. So this is where I come in, apologize, sorry everybody, and uh, do our social media. We have a Facebook group, uh, the Latecomers fans. We have a Facebook page, because I still haven't figured out the difference, uh, the Latecomers. I'm on Twitter, at Amity Armstrong. The podcast is on Twitter, at LatecomersPod. I can be and we can be reached on Gmail at Latecomerspod at gmail.com. I'm gonna let the love theme take us out. And I will say thank you very much for listening. Uh, we're lis- we're watching the Godfather Part Two next week. So if you're following along, that's your homework. We will be watching it on netflix in its three hour and 22 minute glory so we'll see you next week when we talk about that and remember better late than never
1: thank you